I love that song. Don't you love that song? Why don't you have a seat and we'll talk about old little town of Bethlehem. While the choir exits, you can be turning to your um, scriptures. Uh, Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now, usually it's at this point, I say to those of you who didn't uh, happen to bring your Bibles this morning, you can find the sermon text on the back of the newspaper. If you look there very closely, you're not going to find the sermon text. Somebody hit the wrong button on a computer, and we got a conglomeration of the book of Acts and the first of the book of Luke. So I'm not sure how that happens, but, uh, but I, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, those of you who don't have your scriptures with you, I'll read you uh, every verse we're going to cover. Um, we're going to talk about how God uses geography and time to accomplish his purposes, how he moves us to get us just into the right place to impact history. And then I got an announcement for you at the end of this, uh, at the end of this message that uh, you're going to love because I love it and you're going to love it. Uh, and it's about geography. And uh, uh, some of you have been praying, by the way, the prayer of Jabez uh, that says, uh, uh, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would uh, bless me indeed and enlarge my borders. And uh, he will, he's doing that for us as individuals and as a church. But let's, let's take a look at uh, um, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Stop right there. Um, you're about to see how God uses someone who doesn't know him for his purposes. You're about to see that God doesn't need uh, for people to believe in order to, uh, for them to participate in his great providence. Caesar Augustus, by the way, um, was not his name. It was his title. Uh, his name was Gaius Octavius, and Gaius Octavius was one of the greatest Roman emperors, uh, emperors ever to live. It was during his reign that the Pax Romana was really established. It was during his reign that this incredible system of roads uh, pervaded all of the, the, uh, the known civilized Western world uh, throughout the empire. It was during his reign that all of the civil wars were quelled. And so what we're about to see is that, is that God uses this, this person in government. By the way, while we're talking about government, let's stop and pray. Thank God for our new president, okay? Okay, come on. And pray with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, God, we prayed last week, and you did a great thing, and we so much appreciate it. We prayed uh, that you would establish your man uh, that you would also reconcile um, these uh, the sides that have become very polarized. And, uh, and Lord, we can tell that you are doing both. Uh, we so much appreciate our uh, president-elect, President-elect Bush. We um, thank you for his um, uh, acceptance uh, speech, as it were, and that, that he included you in so many places. We thank you that he specifically asked prayer for him and his family and uh, Vice President Gore. And we do pray for the Gore family. We know they have, they've tried so hard. This has been such an effort. Um, and we believe that you're going to put them in a place where you can use them. Um, and, and so we do pray that for them. We pray that you would heal their hurts and encourage them. We also pray, though, for um, um, our new first family. And, uh, and we just love it that the first thing he did was go to a prayer meeting the next day. Boy, was that great to see. So thank you for having your hand on him. And we ask you to establish his purpose, your purposes through him 
and through the government, some of which, some of whom know you and some of who don't. But that doesn't make any difference to you. You can use us all. So, so uh, thank you again for um, setting us on this path. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now, where was I? Oh, yes, Caesar Augustus. See, Caesar Augustus thought that he was doing all of this for the citizens of Rome. But 20 centuries later, you can look back at the spread of Christianity. And you can understand that he was used of God uh, to spread the kingdom, even though he didn't know it. Because the kingdom could not have spread through the diaspora uh, as, as, as pervasively without that system of roads. The kingdom really couldn't have spread as easily without that quelling of those, of those uh, uh, civil wars. And so the Pax Romana really was the proper environment that, that we needed to spread the gospel. So, so it's just, oh, it's just so great. So, okay, so it says, Decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. Now, back then, they did it every 14 years. We do it every 10 years uh, in this nation. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way. God always uses movement. I love this. He moves you to use you. And, and, and is some of you, he's moving right now. Some of you, you, he's got you in a geographical move, but some of it's more an emotional movement or a, a transition of relationships or, or a transition of mentalities, intellectual uh, expansion, whatever. But God moves you to use you. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. Everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now, let's stop right there, and let me, let me talk about this, about how, how God um, um, leads us on this journey to get us right to the place where we will most impact history. Why does he do that? Well, it's not that we couldn't impact history from where we are, but you see, God doesn't do this on our plan or on our effectiveness. He does it on his plan. There's an eternal plan. There is a prophecy. And there is a proper place. And God will make sure that we get to the proper place in order to fulfill his plan for us. One of the reasons I think that many times his plan involves some sort of movement on our part is because the longer we stay in one spot, the more set we get. And the more we don't understand that that the world doesn't revolve around us. I mean, I, we got, let's be honest here. I, I'll be honest about me if you'll be honest about you. If, if I can keep one idea for a very long time, just work out that idea. If I can stay in one place, if I can keep one routine, if I can keep one schedule, man, I'm happy with that. But you know what happens to me? I get a little attitude about me. When I get a little attitude when I say, when I, I keep thinking, you know, God ought to be having a lot more revolve around me than he's got. I, they're not doing their share. You know, here I'm my, my, my place. They, they're not doing, they, let me tell you a story. <laughs> this is a true story. I, can't, I couldn't believe when I read it. This, is, this happened several years ago. It happened in Copenhagen. And, uh, and some, of the, some of the women, there's a huge hotel, beautiful hotel in Copenhagen. And some of the women were coming out of the restroom and complaining to the manager that the restroom attendant was being rude to them because they weren't leaving her big enough tips. And the manager looked at this little group of women and said, we don't have a restroom attendant. Well, he, he, he started to investigate. 
And he went in and he, he talked to this woman and he found out the story. It seems like a few weeks before this, um, she had gone into the restroom and, 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 and she was kind of tired, kind of tired and she saw a chair just sitting there. And so she thought she'd get, just sit down and rest a while. And she got out her knitting. She was knitting and these women came in the restroom, just assumed she was a restroom attendant, just started leaving her tips <laughs> on the counter. Well, she thought that's pretty neat. So guess where she was next day? She's right in that chair again. Here she is in the chair. And day after day after day. The problem was she got a little attitude about her. She started looking at the size of the tips and thought that these people were being cheap with her. So she started, she started ragging on these people. She started just saying, ah, I can't believe you're not. Is that all you can? Can you imagine the gall? Well, I hope you can because we all got it. See, when God gives us everything we got, pretty soon we assume that's where we belong and it's really ours. When God gives us everything we got, pretty soon we get an attitude that other people aren't chipping in their share. And so every once in a while, God just got to pick us up, whether it be from our situation or from our mentality, and he's got to move us. He's got to take us on an inconvenient journey, one that's going to get our attention and we're not going to like very much. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was putting Joseph and Mary into a proper position, not only to fulfill scripture, but to give them heads up on what, uh, how he was bringing everything together. Now, look at these next verses. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee. And, and the reason I'm laughing, I'll tell you in a minute. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. By the way, for those of you who don't know, Bethlehem is Hebrew for house of bread. Beth means house, lechem is bread. And, and isn't it interesting that the bread of the world, uh, the bread of life, was born in a town called house of bread. Um, not interesting, providential. But, and it says, because he was one of the house of, and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him, the, the word really should be betrothed, because uh, that's um, more the accurate uh, designation. By the way, some of you uh, are probably thinking, if you're very analytical, and I hope you are, reading this very closely, wait a minute, why aren't they married yet? They ought to be married by now. The, the fact is that historically, they could have actually gone through a marriage ceremony, but in the Hebrew um, um, custom, you were not married. You, you were not uh, uh, fully married until... Uh, you had consummated that, that relationship with sexual relations. And the Bible tells us that they had not done that yet. So in, in the, the thing is that they're still betrothed. Okay. So it says, um, uh, oh, verse 5. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. That's why I was laughing. Can you imagine? Now, now some of you women have had babies. Do you remember your ninth month? How would you like to go 80 miles? On the back of a donkey. Can you imagine how difficult that must have been? But I got something to say to you men. How would you like to walk alongside a nine-month pregnant woman? <laughs> Listening to that for 80 miles. I'm not sure which would be more difficult. <laughs> this was an inconvenient journey. And you know what? It just from the outside, you wouldn't say, you'd say, this doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm nine months here, you know. This, this isn't practical. 
That's always what we I know God wants me to do this. It's not practical. Well, thank God he doesn't stick to what's practical. Thank God his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. If he just stuck to what we thought was practical, we'd be in a mess. Let me give you an example. I read a story. This is just a couple weeks ago, and I love this story. Uh, it's, it's one of those old, you know, three people die and go to heaven stories. It's, it's you know, I, those are, these are always full of stupid theology, but, but they're always funny. So, uh, so three nurses die and go to heaven, okay? And they're standing there talking to St. Peter, and he's outside the Golden Gate, and, and St. Peter looks at the first nurse, and he says, well, what kind of nursing did you do when you were down in the world? And she said, well, I was an emergency room nurse. And he said, well, what was that like? She said, oh, we were very busy. We we're always all over the place. Took a lot of energy. Uh, but you know what? I, I think I did some people some good. I, I think I served people, and I, and I love that. And St. Peter said, well, come on in and enjoy heaven. Looked at the second nurse, and he said, what kind of nursing did you do down in the world? And the second nurse said, I was a hospice nurse. And she said, that was tough because I just all of my patients died. Uh, and it was tough because, I, because you form an attachment and then they die. And, and, but, but I tell you, I, I, I really think I helped. I was able to serve, loved it. St. Peter said, well, I, that's great. Come on in, enjoy heaven. Came to the third nurse, said, what kind of nursing did you do down in the world? And the third nurse said, well, I was a nursing administrator for an HMO. St. Peter got out some books, you know, charts, you know, graphs and all that kind of stuff. Started figuring up on a calculator, made a couple of phone calls. And finally he said to her, I got you approved for a three-day stay. (laughs) Thank God he's not practical like we are. And for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about here... God is extravagant in his provisions, even though it's not practical, even though it doesn't make sense. God, our salvation is eternal, and it's eternal for the price he paid to save us from our sins, to pay for all of our sins. It's by grace that we're saved. It doesn't depend on what we've done. It doesn't depend on how good or bad we are. It depends on whether or not we accept his gift in Jesus Christ. That's not practical. That is wonderful. That isn't according to our ways. Our system of justice is a little bit more strict than that. That's according to his wonderful, faithful, loving kindness, extravagant love. And so when God takes you on this journey, it will be inconvenient because we don't like change. People don't like change. But that doesn't mean that it's not meaningful What you've got to remember is this, that any of you right now who God has in a transition period, whether it be geographic, whether whether it be uh, uh, emotional, relational, situational, intellectual, whatever that's happening, you've got to remember God has a purpose. He's getting you in the right place so that you can impact history even more than you are right now. Now, do you think that Mary and Joseph might have known that? I think they did. You know why? Well, first of all, both of them had an angel come visit them. That'd be their first heads up. And that'd, that'd be hard to forget, wouldn't it? Second of all, they knew the scripture. These were good Jewish people. They knew Micah 5 too. They knew that the, everybody, everybody who knew the scripture knew that that's where the Savior was to be born. That's why when the wise men came, the Magi came to Herod, 
uh, he, he, you know, just sought the, the, the scribes and Pharisees, and they could, they could tell right then where, where the town was to direct the Magi to the town. So they knew, but just on your behalf, knowing makes it more encouraging and makes it more meaningful, but it doesn't make it any easier. So don't get frustrated because you're frustrated. Don't add to that. Your journey will not be easy. But, but I hope you remember that God's in control. He's taking you exactly the place he, he means to take you. And I hope you realize it's meaningful. It really does count in, in the kingdom of eternity. Okay, now let's, let's uh, go to the last point here. Verse 6, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. The days were completed. I love that phrase. Remember that which seems long to us is just right to God. God's timing is perfect. And even when you're ready for the journey to be over, he's not going to make it over until it's ready to be over. Because his his timing is perfect. This is not about your comfort level, my comfort level. Where we think is good enough, this is about God. He's, he's precise. He's exact. So the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in, in the, some of your versions say swaddling clothes. Um, let, let me give you what, it, what, what, what that looks like, by the way. Swaddling clothes. Boy, baby clothes these days are just phenomenal. Every time I see a kid, he's got like this Tommy Hilfinger thing going on, and you know. <laughs> You know, the buttons up the crotch thing and the whole, you know, got the bib hats. Well, back then, see, they just had an old square piece of cloth. And that's what it was. It was just a square piece of cloth with a, with a, 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 a string or a cord or, or another strip of, of cloth tied to the end of it, kind of like a kite. Kind of looked like a kite with a tail. And they and then just rolled the kid up in the, in the cloth. Well, they probably didn't roll him, but, uh, <laughs> you know. But and then they'd wrap that wrap that strip around him, and that's what that's what a swaddling cloth was. So, so the king of the universe, who emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, uh, is 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 dressed with the simplest of garb, and then the Bible says, and she laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. I hope you don't miss the wonderfully beautiful and aesthetically precise symbolism here. That that which held food for cattle now holds the food of eternal life, the bread of eternity. Don't miss that wonderful, oh, that's just so great. Because God, and this is the point, God is a master at using the insignificant. In, in your paper, one of the... One of the uh, um, Advent thing is by Mindy Anders, and, and Mindy writes a story in there. I always do my homework ahead of time. I get those papers, I read through. I love those things. And uh, so this week, uh, one of, one of the, uh, the devotionals is about a time when, when Mindy was, uh, was in a little youth group singing group here. And she, you know, the way she pictures that we were kind of a motley crew. You know, we didn't have, didn't have too many guys. I had, to sing with the, I, I had to sing with the guys, you know, didn't have enough guys. And uh, sang some pretty cheesy songs, and we'd always we'd go out to different places like uh, prisons and stuff, and sing to. And she said, "I remember this one time when we went out to this prison, and here we are, a bunch of half-hearted teenagers, totally disorganized, singing cheesy songs to a small group of convicted criminals." 
And he said, and she, and she said, but you know what? God was there. Why? Because, and I love these words, because God specializes in using the insignificant. I love that. If you think your life right now is just pretty insignificant, I mean, compared to whatever, whatever you see around you, and you think, man, what, are, pff, what does this count? I want you to remember those words. God specializes in using the insignificant. If you feel like you are insignificant compared to those around, I want you to know God specializes in using the insignificant. And, and, and if you believe that your surroundings are rather meager, every time I go through this, this poor sanctuary, I mean, it gets broken down three times a week. The chairs are coming apart. It's just starting to look ugly. And I keep thinking, oh, man. But you know what? God uses that which is seemingly insignificant for great purposes. 